Okay, friends, we have quite the passage to read today, so I'm going to invite you to stand to your feet for the reading of God's Word. We'll be reading from Psalm 103, verses 1 through 13. Praise the Lord, O my soul, all my inmost being. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all his benefits, who forgives all your sins and heals all your diseases, who redeems your life from the pit and crowns you with love and compassion, who satisfies your desires with good things so that your youth is renewed like the eagle's. The Lord works righteousness and justice for all the oppressed. He made known his ways to Moses, his deeds to the people of Israel. The Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. Amen. You may be seated. Well, good morning, everybody. How are you doing? You guys have big plans for the holidays or what? Raise your hand if you're hosting a barbecue in your neighborhood. Who's actually hosting? Wow, this is going to be a fun 4th of July. We've got no one hosting parties. Oh, man. I didn't expect. Are you going somewhere? Are you going to someone's house to celebrate? Okay. So someone else is hosting. Smart. That's My house, I've got little, so we'll probably just be in bed early. Go to bed early. Forget the whole thing. Get some extra sleep. So don't come to our neighborhood because it's not gonna it's not gonna be fun. Well, good to see you guys. I'm Nate. I'm on the team here at North Coast. And uh, if you are just joining us, we're in the middle of a series called Psalms, and we are learning how to pray. We're learning how to talk to God, which um, communicate with Him, connect with Him. Which isn't that one of the biggest challenges? As a Christ follower, how do we connect with a God that we can't touch and we can't see? Does anybody else get hung up on that at times? Uh, so what Psalms does for us, and David and the psalmist, is they give us language. They give us what we call soul words, these words on how we can communicate, how we can connect to a God that we can't touch or see. And a lot of it is um, feeling words. David is a very emotional poet, right? And he, talks through, he goes through a range of emotions throughout the Psalms that we can identify with, that we can connect with. Uh, Some of those words, he's happy, he's sad, he's angry, resentful, there's joy, there's gratitude, thanksgiving, all these different emotions that we can connect with. And so some of you, you love reading the Psalms, you're like, yes, this gives me language, I, I feel close to God when I hear this poetry. And then there's others of us, like myself, who it's like, I can't, I can't really relate uh, to all those emotions, David. I've got about two emotions, and it's usually happy or mad. Um, and I'm kind of exaggerating, but kind of not. I pretty much have two emotions that I'm aware of. You know, maybe there's more going on inside here. I don't know. But I've, I've got pretty much two emotions. I'm happy or I'm mad. 
Um, and this is just uh, kind of who I am. I'm a recovering non-feeler, uh, otherwise known as a guy. So not trying to put any labels on anybody, but, um, and don't, you know, some of you are probably going like this. Uh, but I remember this came to a head for me, or this realization happened for me about seven years ago when we had our first child, my wife and I, and our marriage was kind of like the last straw. Everything was kind of falling apart. You're at the point where it's like, I don't, I really don't know what to do at this point. I don't know how to fix or improve where we're at. And so we found ourselves in the office of a therapist, and it's the classic scene. We're on the couch, and I'm kind of sitting there like this, you know, like, okay, I'm here. I showed up at least, you know, what do you got? And uh, the therapist is, you know, starts with Sarah and just really talking to Sarah, and they're processing, and Sarah's opening up and vulnerable and communicative, and, and then like probably 40 minutes goes by, and the therapist looks at me, and he says, so Nate, you know, she just, she just opened up her heart like, like, how does that make you feel? And I'm like, you know, and I've got like those, that emoji with the big eyes, you know, I'm just like staring, I'm like, uh, and I literally said, I think my words were, I feel like I know how she feels. I'm like, that's a pretty good answer, right? I feel like she, and the therapist looks at me, he's like, okay, that's not an emotion. That, that, I asked you how you felt, that's not a feeling. Um, and he said, how do you feel? And so I tried again, I'm like, I feel, you know, I feel like I know what we can work on as a couple. I'm like, that's a, that's a good one. He's like, Nate, that's, that's also not an emotion. Um, and <laughs> I'm like, well, how about, I feel like punching you in the face. I feel angry. <laughs> I know that emotion. If you keep asking me, I don't know, you know, I'm like, geez, leave me alone. Uh, and so <laughs> that's pretty much how it went. And then he leans over to me and he says, okay, let's start here. And he gives me this list, like this huge list of all these words on it. It's like a foreign language. And he says, these are called soul words. They're different states of emotion or feeling. And he's like, I want you to take this home, make a bunch of copies of it. Every day, you know, different parts of your day, take this out and begin to circle or highlight the different words that you read, that you identify with. So... You know, if you feel encouraged, and I'm like, I, I kind of feel encouraged right now, circle it or highlight it. So I felt like a third grader doing my homework assignment, just trying to identify how I felt. And I, I did it, though. I took it home. I began to practice and do this, and I, I'm happy to report now I know about 10 emotions. So I'm improving. Uh, there's about, yeah, about 10 emotions that I'm aware of inside of myself. And so... Uh, incredible practice, though, if anybody can relate. This comes from a book called How We Love, um, an awesome book, and you can find this. I think we have it actually in our message notes, so you can go online and you can grab this if uh, you think that would be helpful for you. So some of you can relate to that. You're like, yes, I'm right there with you. Um, others of you, you can't relate, but I want to kind of, I think there's two types of people in our world. There's probably more, but for the sake of today, let's put ourselves in two different camps or groups. There's those of you like me, that we'll call a shallow coper. Shall you cope with reality in a very shallow way. It's like we were taught that emotions are bad or they're not necessary, so you push them down and you got to move on. There's stuff to do. We don't have time to feel that. We've got places to go. It's like if your emotions are the lights on the dashboard, right? They're, the lights are going off and a shallow coper, we see the lights. It's like I see it, but it doesn't, there's no, nothing going on in here. It's like, great, there's lights, lights going off on the dashboard, right? That's, and we've gotten this habit of not identifying with our emotions or understanding them. 
And then there's others of us who are what we call a troubled reflector. You reflect on life, you see it all, you feel it all. It's like if, the, if those emotions are on the dashboard, there's 10 lights going off, 10 emotions, and you feel it all. Right? You just feel all the emotions all at once, and it feels heavy, feels, you feel paralyzed, you feel the weight of the world on your shoulders, you don't know how to move, you're stuck. And some of us feel that way, troubled reflectors. You're just overwhelmed with emotion. And so the problem with these two states of um, our emotions is uh, it leads to disconnection. It leads to a lack of intimacy in our relationships. And what God wants for us is to have a depth of relationship and connection and intimacy with him. And the more we begin to work through this stuff, he's going to lead us into this place where we can experience that with him and with others. Uh, So that's what we're going to talk about today. Does that sound all right? All right. Well, David, uh, again, he gives us this language on how to connect with God, how to take us to these deeper places of intimacy with him. And the primary practice that we see David use all throughout the Psalms is expressing gratitude. He expresses gratitude all throughout the Psalms, praise, thanksgiving, worship to God. It's this expression of gratitude. And so that's what we're going to work through today. Uh, He gives us a formula, kind of some steps that we can take, that we can begin to practice gratitude in our life. And so the first step that we see is uh, noticing what God has done for us. Just having awareness, just observing, just pausing enough to see what God is doing in our lives. The second thing is to feel it. And this is those shallow copers, allowing that reality, that observation, that theological truth to sink into our bodies, to feel it. And then thirdly, to express it, to share or communicate Uh, that gratitude. So Psalm 103, it opens up and it just lists, David lists the benefits of God. It says this, let's read it. Praise the Lord my soul and forget not all his benefits. Really clear language. He forgives all our sins, heals all our diseases, redeems our life from the pit, gives us salvation, crowns you with love and compassion and satisfies your desires with good things. So we're aware of that. We know that in in our minds, but we have a tendency to forget. We have a tendency to forget. And I think, um, for me, one of the best reminders of um, what God has done is looking through all the gifts through my kids' eyes. It's, It's such a helpful reminder. So I asked my kids to do it this week, no pressure on them, but I said, write out what you're grateful for. So my oldest daughter, Rue took me up on this, and this is what she wrote. And uh, it feels kind of good to have your name at the top of the list there. Uh, She said, Dad. Uh, So I'm just going to linger on that for a little bit. Um, Dad, she said, Mom, herself, her towel sister, or her two sisters, uh, food, shelter, air, God, Jesus, and water, because that goes together, you know, like the living water. I'm like, okay, good. Theologically accurate, way to go. Um, clothes, and this also here is a picture of a rainbow Tesla. So that's like her dream. She's saving for that. So maybe that's just kind of on there, like God maybe, you know, claiming that gratitude up front. Okay. 
Um, so that's real. And I, but then I asked her, I was like, so is this in order of importance? Like, of course it is. I should be at the top. And she unfortunately said, no, this is not in order of priority. And I said, okay, then what would you put as number one? Like, what would be your number one? And she said, God and Jesus. Good kid. Uh, yeah. And I said, why? I asked her why. And she said, just right away. She's like, because he made me and everything else on the list. I'm like, case in point, fair. That's, that's it. <laughs> like, you get it. You get where everything comes from. But I think we have a tendency to forget that. James reminds us that every good and perfect gift comes from the Father. We can trace back every single thing in our life that's good back to a creator, back to the all-powerful God. Our, our relationships, our loved ones, food, clean water, our homes, our freedom, our salvation, everything. It's not something we've done for ourselves. It's not something we've earned or we deserve. It's a gift from God. And so having those eyes and being aware. I love this quote, one of my favorite theologians, because he's very sarcastic and witty. His name is G.K. Chesterton, and he says this, when we were children, we were grateful to those who filled our stockings at Christmas time. Why are we not grateful to God for filling our stockings with legs? We forget where it all comes from. Um, and I've been noticing this week uh, that I feel like we have an obsession, and it's not a bad one, a good one, as parents of teaching our kids to be grateful. Have you witnessed this, either yourself or someone around you? It's like anytime someone compliments my kids, like, oh, I love your dress. I'm like, say thank you. Say, say thank you. You know, it's like this intensity. Like, I'm so like, you say it right now. Like, you be grateful. And it's like, why is that? Why is, what is with that? You know, like Ryan gives them a lollipop. Say thank you to Ryan right now. And then I go over there and discipline them. It's like, they're, they're just kids. But it's, and it's not a bad thing, but it's like, there's, there's an intensity around it. I'm like, where does that come from? Like, what are we feeling as parents that like we, our kids have to get this lesson? And I think there's a few things there. One is um, because we don't want them to be entitled jerks. You know, I think that's a fair assessment of why we want our kids to be grateful. Uh, we want them to be, it's nice. It's the nice, you know, appropriate thing to do. So that's part of it. But I think there's something deeper going on. I think at a deeper level, um, and maybe we don't even know this is happening, but in God created us, he wired us, he designed us for relationship. Like we can't live without one another. Like we cannot survive as a species, a human species without one another. He wired us to be interconnected. It's kind of like this, this hula hoop over here little illustration, like this is a healthy relationship. This is wholeness with God and with others. Everything's working perfectly. Uh, this is what a healthy relationship works. And it, I mean, it actually works. You could like do the, I'm not going to do it, but no. <laughs> Should I do it? I didn't do it first service, but I might get fired though. You, I'm going to get fired? Okay. Jesus forgives, but do people forgive? <laughs> All right, let's see. Hey, hey, hey it works. See, it, that's, a, that's what a healthy, it's a healthy relationship's fun too. It's healthy. That's wholeness. That's what God wants for us. But what's happening when we're not grateful is it breaks. There's a, there's a gap in the relationship. 
right? There's something missing, and we, we don't know that, but we feel that deep in our gut. When there's a lack of gratitude, the relationship isn't whole. It's not complete, and it's just a human dynamic, something happening, going on beneath the surface. We need gratitude to complete the circle and for there to be wholeness in our relationships with God and others. And so I think that's what uh, trying, David's trying to help us see here. So the first thing we have to do is we have to notice, be aware of all these gifts in our life coming from God and coming from others. And then the second thing we do is we feel it. We have to let it sink in to our bodies. And again, this is the tricky part for that shallow coper. Uh, let's read in Psalms. This is what David says. This is, how, this is what God feels up towards us. He says this, the Lord is compassionate and gracious, slow to anger, abounding in love. He will not always accuse, nor will he harbor his anger forever. He does not treat us as our sins deserve or repay us according to our iniquities. For as high as the heavens are from the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. It's infinite. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. And so this is what God feels for us. There's compassion, there's love, there's even anger in there, which we can identify with, but it's tempered with grace and mercy. Uh, in the New Testament, theologians have identified over 39 different emotions that Jesus felt or discussed with his disciples. 39 different states of feeling. He's got me beat. I got 10, so I'm going to try to work up to 39, uh, just like Jesus. But that he, he felt deeply in his gut. Jesus did. So I want to explore this word compassion. It says in here, the Lord had compassion. He's compassionate and gracious as a father has compassion on his children. And so the, the Hebrew word for compassion is raham. Raham. Should we say it together? Should we try it? On the count of three. One, two, three. Raham. There you go. Not bad. That's good. And the definition, if you see it up, there's, I mean, the first part makes sense. Mercy, pity. But then you see these other words, womb and bowels. Like, how is that associated with the word compassion? And it's that reminder that, you know, when we feel something at such a deep level, what do we say? We feel it in our gut, right? There's this physiological experience we have with emotions when they're intense. We, can, we feel in our body. That's the best explanation that we have. And so that's what this word compassion means. Um, I love the, the meaning here when they talk about womb. Raham, Raham means the womb of Yahweh. So the picture is that uh, this divine tenderness and gentleness that a mother has for their child, that deep intimacy and connection that only a, a mom has with her child. That's what compassion means. It's deep inside your gut. So the question is, when's the last time you felt that? Can you remember a moment when you felt something that deeply, that passionately? Maybe anger, that's the first one that comes to my mind. That's pretty, pretty regular, uh, that one. But what about compassion? When's the last time you felt like that deep compassion that you could feel it in your gut? Maybe you cried, 
you wept because you were so moved. Um, I know for me, one of the last time or one of the moments it was very poignant was about 10 years ago. Um, I had done some traveling, got to go to different um, mission trips, and so went to some different parts of the world. And then the thing that I kept seeing was the issue of human trafficking. Everywhere I went, it would like I'd see it. Didn't matter if it was Africa or Europe or these different places. Um, and this sexual exploitation was happening everywhere. And I, you know, I started to be aware of it. I was like starting to see it. And then I came back to the states. I was teaching high school at the time. And I went to a conference in Vista, and law enforcement was talking about uh, the issue of human trafficking right here in our backyard. And it was the first time I noticed that it was such a local issue, uh, that it was happening right here. And I watched some documentaries about it, and so I was like fully, you know, my, my mind was turned on to it. And there was a moment where I just felt it in my gut. You know, I, I started weeping, I had this moment of deep compassion uh, for these women, these girls. How could this happen? How is this possible? How can people go through something like that? And so it was this, this moment where I just felt it deep in my gut. And Jesus, uh, when, he, when he has this experience of compassion, in the New Testament, it's often said, the, uh, the words are, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with con- compassion. So there's this action associated with it. Uh, it's not just something we feel, um, when we have compassion, we do something with it. He would feed those who were hungry. He had compassion on people and he'd heal their diseases. He had compassion, he raised people back to life. He comforted those who were um, mourning. He would teach all this from that deep place of feeling. Jesus responded, he expressed it. And so for us, that's where the rubber meets the road. Uh, we, we, we sense, we, we're aware of what God's doing, we feel it deep inside of us, and then we have to express it. Uh, David opens and closes the psalm with praise and gratitude. It says this, Praise the Lord, my soul, my inmost being. Inside his body, he's feeling this. Praise his holy name. Praise the Lord, all his works. Everywhere in his dominion, praise the Lord, my soul. Uh, there's a cool story of this in, uh, in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 17. So I want to look at this story. It talks about what gratitude really looks like. Um, so background on this story, Jesus is walking along the border of Galilee and Samaria. And uh, a lot of us know that Samaria was that place full with Samaritans. They were not liked, not loved, looked down upon by the Jewish people. They were less than. Um, So that's the Samaritans, and Jesus is walking along this border, and he comes in contact with 10 lepers, 10 people with leprosy. And um, many of us are aware of that disease, very contagious, very damaging to the body, and that means people had to be separated or isolated from friends and family. They had to live away from everyone, no human connection, completely isolated. Um, They even had to, if they would come up to somebody, they would have to yell out, you know, that they have, they're infected. So it'd be like us, if you had the virus, if you had COVID, you'd just have to walk around yelling at everybody, I've got the Rona. Imagine doing that, just, I'm, I'm, I've got the Rona. Like, we just have to yell it everywhere we went. So uh, not a fun, not a fun situation to be in. So Jesus comes in contact with these 10 lepers, and the first thing they say is, uh, Jesus, have pity on us. Master, have pity on us. 
have compassion on us. It's interesting that they don't ask for healing. They just ask for that. It's like they need that human connection. They long for that even more than just the healing of the disease. Lord, have compassion on us. Have pity on us. And so Jesus says, you're healed. Go and tell the priests, walk away, tell them that you've been cleansed. So they be, as they walk, they're healed. They, they look down and their body's being healed from this disease. And you can imagine their response in that moment. Uh, they are probably feeling deep in their gut gratitude, right? So thankful. I get to go connect with my kids and my family like I'm cleansed. This is amazing. That's probably what they're feeling. But they run away. And then we pick up the text, Luke 17, verse 15 says this, one of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. He was the Samaritan. He was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, we're not all 10 cleansed. Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise, go, your faith has made you well. So only one came back to thank him. And what Jesus is teaching us is what he's saying in this moment is it's not enough to just feel gratitude. We have to express it. Unexpressed gratitude feels like ingratitude, right? Unexpressed gratitude feels like ingratitude. If you do something kind for me and I don't say thank you, I might feel tons of gratitude in my heart, uh, but if I don't express it to you, if I don't say it to you, then that relationship is still broken. There's still a gap in that relationship. Unexpressed gratitude is still ingratitude. And so the Samaritan returns and creates wholeness in that relationship. And it's interesting, it says here that Jesus, when the, when the Samaritan came back, Jesus says, rise and go, your faith has made you well. But he's already been healed. He already has been healed from the disease. So what is Jesus saying here? Uh, he's saying you've been given salvation. You've been healed spiritually as well. You've been reconciled with your creator. Unexpressed gratitude feels like ingratitude. So I want to invite the band back out. They're going to come out in just a minute. We're not done yet. We're not done yet. We cannot leave here without practicing gratitude. So we're going to spend some time in just a moment, and we are going to practice gratitude. Uh, there's a few ways that I want to leave you with, some take-homes, some practical application for this week, a few ways that you can express gratitude. Um, and I think it's important that um, we hear that phrase, um, gratitude is an attitude. Have you heard that? And I would argue it's, it's more than an attitude. It's a behavior. At this church, we're about transformed lives. That means our behaviors need to be changed. We need to treat others differently when we leave this place on a Sunday. So here's a few tools to do that, to live with changed behavior. First one is when we pray. When we pray, to start with thanksgiving, to start with a heart of gratitude. Uh, second thing you can do is write it down. We created a little prayer journal for you. Um, on your way out today, we've got some physical copies. You can grab those at the door if you want this. Um, on your message notes, there's a QR code, so you could scan that um, and print copies at home. And this is a great practice to express gratitude. Uh, my wife would identify more as the troubled reflector. 
feeling the weight of the world on her shoulders. There was a season where she felt stuck, and she did this. She would get up every morning and write down the 10 things that she was grateful for. Very specific, she'd write it down, and after a few weeks, she began to feel that weight being lifted. So we can write it down. We can say it, send a text message, send an email, write a note, verbalize it to the people around you. They don't know you're grateful unless we say it, unless we tell them. Uh, You can do something, give a gift, act of service, all different ways to express our gratitude this week. Uh, There's a cool story of um, the former CEO of Home Depot. His name was Frank Blake. He was a CEO from 2007 to 2014. He was brought in because Home Depot was not doing well at the time. Profits were down. Shareholders were mad. Bring in the new guy. He'll fix it, right? He'll turn the ship around. So they bring in this guy, Frank Blake, and his number one goal was to transform the culture of the organization. If we change the culture, uh, our sales are going to go up. People are going to be happier. Everything's going to be better if we change the culture. Uh, Pretty ambitious goal when you run a multinational company with hundreds of thousands of employees. Good luck changing the culture of that big of an organization. And um, so what he started to do is he started to just write letters or notes of gratitude. He would spend three hours, two to three hours every Sunday writing notes. So people would filter in stories to him of all the great things happening in his company, and he'd just start writing notes. And uh, he'd travel to sites. He'd see some of these notes hanging up in the break rooms. He saw managers expressing gratitude. And uh, over time, the culture began to shift. Uh, Incredible, incredible what gratitude, expressed gratitude can do. It creates wholeness and connection and depth and intimacy in relationships. They said by the time he was done, he estimated that he'd written 25,000 letters of gratitude, uh, which is just incredible. The power of what gratitude can do in our relationships. So we're going to take communion here in just a moment. And this is a chance for us to reflect and feel that sense of gratitude for what Jesus did for us on that cross. He was moved with compassion. He had such pity for us, such compassion for these children who don't know what they're doing, who can't fix themselves, that he went to the cross for our sake. He died so that we could have life. And so for the next few moments, I want us to try to move that concept from our heads into our hearts, and we're going to express it with gratitude. So a couple ways you can do that as the band plays. Um, For me, I would probably write it down on my phone, like make a list of all the things I'm grateful for. You could write it in your message notes. You could pray. You can stand up and sing. Whatever way you feel like you want to express to God that depth of gratitude for all the gifts in your life. As the Samaritan, as the leper, the double outcast, as he returned to Jesus to express his gratitude, he said, thanks. He said, thank you. He closed the loop on that relationship. And that word thanks, uh, it's the root word where we get the word Eucharist, which is communion. It just means gratitude, expressing our gratitude for what Jesus did for us. What I love about communion is it's physical. Uh, 
we are literally eating the bread, drinking the cup. It's a physical reminder. It goes into our gut, into our body. What Jesus did for us on the cross, this huge death, this huge gift, a gift we can't give to ourselves, and our only response is gratitude. And so as we take the elements today, uh, reflect on that, feel that depth of gratitude for what Jesus did. And he took the bread and he gave thanks. He broke it. He gave it to them saying, this is my body given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. Let's eat the bread together. can be made whole so that we can have a restored relationship with your Father. God, help us to have eyes to see the gifts that are all around us. God, for those of us who are the shallow copers, we identify with that. We have been taught feelings are bad. They're a waste of time. Help us to do the hard work this week through your Holy Spirit of getting in touch with those emotions because it's going to give us a depth of intimacy and connection and relationship with our kids, with our spouses, with our parents, with our loved ones. That's where relationship happens with you, is when we feel connected. God, for those of us who are the troubled reflectors, we just feel overwhelmed with emotion. God, the weight of the world is on our shoulders. We don't know how to move. We're paralyzed. We feel it all. God, help to give us peace through practicing gratitude. Give us that peace that only comes from you. God, we love you. We pray this all in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, hey, as we go out of here, let's uh, let's be people of gratitude. Uh, you cannot be too generous with your gratitude. Text people, email them, tell them what you're grateful for. All right? Love you guys. Have a wonderful week. A good fourth. We'll see you back here next weekend.